0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. You know, my wife and daughter are on the front row and they're really proud right now. Let's say that. Oh my goodness. You know, if you can't have fun in church, you know, that, that ought to be something wrong, right? So I'm so glad we didn't have fun in here. And uh, listen, today is the last message in our message series, Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. And God has been doing some tremendous things in people's lives because after every service, literally this whole series, people have come up to me in the lobby and they've shared with me the stuff that God is doing in their lives because of what they have learned and what they're putting into practice. And God is doing some incredible things. He's bringing a lot of healing in people's lives in places where before there was only pain. And so it's been a great series. And today is going to be a great day because today we're talking about the subject of guilt. talking about guilt. And to help us talk about guilt, we're going to use a Walkman. And before we go any farther, I want us to take just a moment, and I want us to give our stage team a round of applause for all the great props that they've come up with during this series. Haven't they been incredible? They've been unbelievable. And they're all volunteers. They're all just guys and gals who just volunteered their time and their efforts and their skills so that God can use them in a great way. So they're so good. So um, now, in the days of the Walkman, before the Walkman, before Bluetooth, you know, before earbuds, before an iPod, an iPhone, an iPad, there was the Sony Walkman. And now, prior to the Walkman, if you wanted to carry your music with you, your only option was to carry a big boombox on your shoulder and plug the cassette in and play it real loud, right? But then the Walkman came along and changed everything. I mean, I remember when I got my first Walkman way back when I was in junior high. And, uh, and I loved it because I, I could not believe the sound that came out of those little speakers that were in those headphones. It was unbelievable. Now, I loved it. My parents hated it. And the reason they hated the Walkman is because every time when I would be having, when I have my music on and they would say something to me, my answer was always, huh? Okay, Bob, be there in a minute. And like I would be yelling at my parents. And they did that did not go down very well. And the reason I was yelling was not because I was mad or angry. I just couldn't hear how loud I was because I had those headphones on. So I figured out in a hurry that if I saw my you know, parents talking to me, like I need to take those things off and listen closely because the problem wasn't that I couldn't hear them. My problem was I couldn't hear me. And you know what? Guilt is a lot like that. It's a lot like that because we can't hear what other people are saying to us because the guilt playing in our own ears is so loud and when that's going on we treat people differently we don't respond to them like we would normally respond and it changes every relationship it changes relationships with our spouse boyfriend girlfriend roommate classmate teammate neighbor coworker friend pretty much any relationship you can think of. It changes all, them because we don't respond like we would normally respond because we feel so guilty about something that we've done. And when we feel guilty, when we don't deal with that guilt, we tend to respond one of two ways. First way we tend to respond is we go into you know, like super please you mode. So we just do whatever we can to please that other person to, you know, to serve them, to make things go right, to you know, help give them whatever it is they want to, and we just try to please them, please them, please them, and the reason we try to do that is because we are trying to build up this bank of good deeds so that if they ever found out that thing that we did that we feel guilty about, then we could point to all these good deeds and we say, hey, yeah, I know I did that one thing, and look, and I do, I feel bad about that, but look at all this other good stuff that I've done. See, I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. Look at all this stuff that I've done. Now, the problem with that is that at some point in time, people start to take advantage of us. And when people take advantage of us, a lot of times that leads to abuse. And when it leads to abuse, then that leads to dysfunction. And dysfunction, unchecked, gets passed down from generation to generation. And when that happens, that's when our kids and our grandkids, you know, they grow up with low self-esteem, they have a bad self-image, and it's all because of that dysfunction that happened because we didn't deal with whatever it is that we felt guilty guilty about early on. Now, I'm not saying that every person with a poor self-image or every person that feels bad about themselves, it's all a result of, you know, guilt. But sometimes it is, and you can see the progression of how that happens. So the second way we tend to deal with guilt is with anger. We, you know, we just get really angry, and we're hard to get along with. And we're, the reason we're angry is because we are using anger to hide our guilt, And so in order to hide our guilt of what we've done, we just, you know, we lash out at the other person and we try to make them feel bad. And we, you know, behind our cutting words and our biting comments, and maybe we even try to make them feel guilty about something that they've done all the while so that we can divert attention away from us because if they ever found out what we had done, it is so embarrassing and so humiliating that the thought of it, It's just almost too much to bear. So we keep other people at bay with our anger. And the reason that's so incredibly harmful is because it causes us to keep every relationship that's important at arm's length. And so we isolate. And it only increases the sense of loneliness that we have. And so that's not a healthy way to deal with it. Because look, here's the thing if when we respond with anger the truth is we're not really angry at the other person we're really angry at ourselves of what we've done and we're using it as a mask to hide behind but look god doesn't want us to god doesn't want us to let guilt go on and so we deal with it in unhealthy ways and we've all been on the receiving end of this kind of stuff, haven't we? We've all been on the receiving end of somebody who's been angry. We've all been on the receiving end of somebody who's all of a sudden become super duper nice. And we're like, what in the world is going on? We've all been on the, And we've all done it before too, haven't we? But God doesn't want us to deal with it that way. When we let our guilt go unresolved, essentially what we're saying is, is that I would rather wreck the relationship and hold on to my pride instead of being willing to wreck my pride and hold on to the relationship. Because the truth is, you can have the relationship or you can have your pride, but you can't have both. And so look, this is where God steps in. And so our Heavenly Father, He wants to transform our relationships by helping us deal with guilt. But get this, God only deals with guilt in two ways. There are only two ways, according to the Bible, that our Heavenly Father gives us to deal with our guilt about things that we've done. And there are only three words apiece, so they're fairly easy to remember. But there are still only two ways to deal with it. So when we feel guilty, what does God say? So go ahead and pull out your message notes. Let's ask this question. What does my Heavenly Father want me to do when I feel guilt? Here's the first, only three words. Number one is this, I need to confess to God. I need to confess to God. I want you to look what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, I want you to circle the word confess, because this entire verse hinges on that one word. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. I want you to underline forgive us, our sins, and purify us, underline purify us from all unrighteousness. So what is the one thing that God says that we have to do? confess and who do we have to confess to to god right we've got to confess our sins to god now i want you to notice that john when he writes this he doesn't say that we're supposed to ask god for forgiveness did you pick up on that he didn't say we're supposed to ask god for forgiveness i mean like did he just like write it down wrong i mean why would he say that well here's why and i want you to hang on and follow this okay because i don't want to lose you along the way John is primarily writing to Christ followers here. So, if you're a Christ follower, he says to you that you are to confess your sin to God. Why? Because when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you of all your sin and promise to follow him, Jesus has already forgiven you for everything that you've ever done. And when Jesus forgives you of sin, he not only is forgiven you for everything you've done in the past... He also forgives you for everything you're doing now in the present and everything you will do in the future. So, the truth is, as a Christ follower, you are already forgiven. So, he's not asking you to come back and beg him for forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again. And this is, look, this is incredible news for us because, first off, it means that we don't have to go through that cycle of, of, of asking forgiveness over and over and over and over again. And it also, it means that we don't have to wallow in our guilt. Because we're already forgiven for what we've done. Now, this is not a license to just go out and sin and do whatever you want to because you've already been forgiven. It's not like, woohoo, I'm going out this weekend to sin it up, baby, because I'm already forgiven. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. God is way too smart for that, okay? like He saw that coming a few millennia ago, all right? So God doesn't want that, but he does want you to come and confess your sin, but it's also not a license to just go out and sin. In fact, let me give you an illustration, and I think, I think all of that will become clear, and I think you'll see how silly it is to ask for forgiveness, and also how silly it is to try to use it as a license to sin. Let's just say that you're a parent, okay? Now, if you are a parent, this will be really easy to follow, okay? But if you're not a parent, you're pretty smart. You'll, probably, you'll, you'll be able to figure it out anyway, okay? So let's just say that you're a parent. And let's say that you have a son. And sure enough, one day, your son breaks a priceless family heirloom figurine in the house because he is playing basketball in the den. And let's just say that he decides he's gonna try to glue it back together and put it back on the shelf So that no one knows what happened. And let's also say that you know what he's done, but he doesn't know that you know what he's done. So that's the scenario. Now, as a parent, more than anything, don't you just want him to come and confess to you what he's done? I mean, more than anything, don't you just want him to come to you and just admit what he's done? And as a parent, doesn't it just break your heart when he just decides he's going to pretend like it didn't happen and just fake it and hope that you never notice? And, and, you know, and the truth is, he's probably feeling pretty guilty about it. You know, which is why maybe he goes into like super helpful kid mode. So he's like, okay, mom, sure, let me help you with the dishes. Oh, hey, you want laundry? Let me help you fold some of that. And you're like, what in the world? Because he's going into super helpful mode because he already feels so guilty about whatever he's done. Or maybe he just gets angry, and he becomes this little soured child because he feels so guilty about what he's done that he doesn't want you, he doesn't want to talk to you, he doesn't want to face you eye to eye, and so he keeps you at bay with his anger and his temper. But either way, he doesn't do the one thing thing that would fix it all confess to what he's done now let's take this analogy a little bit farther if your son did want to come to you and confess would you make it hard on him to do so i mean would you make it to where he had to beg for your forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again before you would actually forgive him no, of course not. Because the truth is, and you know this, he already has your forgiveness. He, you, you've already forgiven him for it. You're just waiting for him to come and confess it. So that there's nothing in the way of your relationship with him anymore. Now look, you, you, see, look, you see where all this is going, Right? This is exactly how our Heavenly Father views us. It's the same. Because, look, if you're already a Christ follower, and I want to emphasize that, you have to already be a Christ follower in order to have this kind of a relationship with God. And if you're not a Christ follower yet, you don't have this relationship yet. But I'm going to give you a chance, you know, when we get to the end of today. But if you're already a Christ follower, you're in the same position as the son who broke the family heirloom. God, Look, God already knows what you've done. He already knows. I mean, it's not like you're really hiding it from him. And more importantly, he's just waiting for you to come to him and just confess what you've done. And you don't have to ask him for forgiveness. You already have it in Christ. So he doesn't want you to come and beg for forgiveness. He wants you to confess what you have done so that you can make the relationship right with him again. Because that fixes it. And when we confess, what does the verse say that God does? Two things. I had to underline He says that he forgives you and he purifies you. Now, don't get hung up on the forgives you part because in this context, the way it's used, it doesn't mean that he forgives you and therefore that determines whether you're going to go to heaven or not. It's not that. But the point is, is that when you, you and I have sinned and we feel guilty, there's something in the way of our relationship with God. Our relationship with God is not right. And so he when we confess, he says, God says, he just he forgives you. He's like basically, hey, forget about it. It all's forgiven. Everything's fine. Because so there's nothing in the relationship any longer. That's what it's dealing with. It's the relationship with God. And it says that he purifies us. What that means is that he doesn't see you as guilty. And so therefore he will never bring it up again. You're clean. And everything's good. That's what God is saying. But it all hinges on forgiveness. And that's what he's asking us to do. And look, and I know some of that's you know, really deep and it might take you a little while to you know, like process all that. So let me, just, let me just make it simple. Here's what you need to do. Whenever you're praying, just set aside some time while you're praying to God to confess what you've done and ask him for strength to help you not do it again. Take some time and do that. And that keeps your heart clean and free of guilt. So, once you've done number one, then you can move on to number two. The second three-word thing that God says to do is this. Number two, I need to admit to others. I need to admit to others. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore... Underline this part. Confess your sins to each other. Confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what? I mean, isn't it enough like just to confess to God? I mean, why do I have to go and like start confessing to other people? I mean, that introduces everything to a whole new level of awkward, right? Yeah. It does. But here's the thing. If you want to be free of guilt, this is what God says you have to do. Let me tell you a story. <clears throat> In 1970, at Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. There was a chapel service, they had chapel every day. There was a chapel service that was scheduled to last one hour. Well that chapel service didn't last one hour. That same chapel service lasted just over one week. A week. And the reason it lasted a week is because during that chapel service, God's presence came down and so filled that chapel. Literally, no one wanted to leave. And so they didn't. And one of the things that prompted God's presence to fall so heavily during that chapel service was that the students of Asbury Asbury College took this verse in James seriously, seriously. So during that chapel service, some of them felt so moved by God at the start that they went to other students and confessed things that they had done. They confessed to their professors that some of them had cheated on tests. They confessed to others that they had wronged them, that they had gossiped about them, that they, maybe they had taken some revenge, and, you know, and, and that whatever it is that they had done to other students, they went to them, confessed it, and they did their very best to make it right. And I'm telling you, It changed the culture of the entire school. And you can go and watch all this. There's a short 37 minute documentary of what happened at Asbury College, it's on on YouTube. Just go search for it, you'll find it almost immediately. It is so powerful. You'll be spellbound as you watch it, I promise. One thing that you'll see in that video is this. I'll never forget it. One of the young ladies at the college went to the president of the school and said, I don't know what to do. I said, okay. She said, I'm a liar. I lie all the time about everything. I lie so much, I don't even know when I'm lying. I I don't know what to do. And the president said, well, here's what you should do. He said, you should think of the last person that you lied to. And go back to that person, admit what you lied about, and then make it right. And then once you finish with that person, go to the next person that you can think of that you lied to and do the same. And you do that until you've gone to everybody that you can think of. And she just looked at him and she said, I don't think I can do that. I think that would kill me. And he's so very wise and said, no, it would probably cure you. And she walked out. Three days later, she came back. And she was beaming ear to ear. I mean, smiling a bigger smile than he had ever seen her smile before. And she said to him, I did it. I did it. I went to the last person that I lied to, and I I admitted it. And then I kept going and kept going. And I have finally, after three days, gone to everybody that I could possibly think of. And I am free. The weight that I was carrying had just fallen off and I am free. I'm free. I mean, I'll tell you, it changed her life. All because she did exactly what God is telling each one of us to do. Now, (laughs) I know this might be the most terrifying thing you've ever heard in church before. I'm serious. I, I, I get that. Because look, it's one thing to confess to God who already knows everything and you know, we don't have to actually look him eye to eye. It's a, quite another thing to confess to another person who maybe doesn't know what you've done and you've got to look at them face to face. I get that. But you know, before you just you know, haul off in a you know, fit of obedience and decide that you're going to just start confessing to everybody, let me give you a few guidelines. Okay, because look, here's the thing. The devil would like nothing more to twist something that God intended for good and turn it into something evil. Okay, so here's the guidelines. I want you to write these down. These are your bullet points that are in your message notes. Okay, here's the first guideline. Confess only if you've harmed that person. You need to confess only if you've harmed that person. Like for instance, look, teenage guys. You cannot go up to a girl and say to her, you know what, I just need to admit to you that I've been lusting after you for the last couple of weeks. No, what is she supposed to do with that, right? Call her dad, Uh, dad, take care of this kid. No, that you don't need to confess because there's no harm done. You only confess that to God. But, try this one out. Husbands, if you've been looking at pornography, you harm the intimacy in your marriage. And so because there's been harm in your marriage, you need to confess that to your wife. And I know, like, that's scary. But God says, if you want to be healed, you want to be, let that guilt go, that's what you have to do. And maybe it's something else. Maybe you've taken revenge. Or maybe you've lied. Or maybe you've cheated a client at, or a vendor at work. I don't know what it is. Maybe you've gossiped about somebody. But you need to go and admit it to that person because there's been harm there. Now, ladies, let me just say this. If your husband comes to you and confesses that to you, it's going to hurt. I mean, it's just going to hurt. But think about the fact that he is trying to make your marriage better. He's trying to make it better, and I know you're going to be angry, and you're going to think, well, you know, why am I not enough? Before you get to all that and you start responding to that, the very first thing you need to do is you need to call a Christian counselor, a Christian counselor. Make an appointment so the two of you can begin working that through with that counselor. Because look, I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with you. I know that you're like, what? It has, I'm telling you, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with his sin nature. But you still need someone to help you guys work that through. Okay? <clears throat> but don't miss the fact that God is working to bring your marriage to a better place. Don't, don't miss that. All right. Here's the second thing. Second bullet point is this. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. I know this this seems like it's pretty self-explanatory, but look, it's key because you got to do more than just say you're sorry. Because when you say I'm sorry, that just deals with the act. But when you say, would you please forgive me, that deals with the relationship. And it makes the relationship right. Okay? Third bullet point is this. Make it right if there is a way. You got to make it right if there is a way. Now, there might might not be a way, but there might be. For instance, I had someone come to me one time and said, hey, Pastor Mike, I need you to forgive me. And he said, because I've said some really hateful things about you to other people. And I, I want you to forgive me for it. And I said, of course, I'll forgive you. And they said, well, what can I do to make it right? I said, well, here's one thing that you could do. You could go back to the people that you've said hateful things about me to and you can go and correct that with them. If you would do that, that would make it right. So you gotta make it right, if, if at all possible. That's what you can do, okay? The last one is this. Commit to act kindly from that point forward. I need to commit to act kindly from that point forward. I mean, this is key because look, confession doesn't mean anything. or right, Admitting it doesn't mean anything if there's no commitment to do it differently going forward. This is just the Bible, the Bible calls this repentance. That's the Bible word for it. So you've got to repent. You've got to repent and commit to not do what you were doing before, and instead you act kindly to that person, ask God for strength to help you continue to do that, okay? So look, think about this for a moment, okay? If you did this, if you confessed to God and to the person that you wronged, wouldn't that change every relationship that you have? I mean, if you actually did this, Wouldn't it just change everything? Of course it would, absolutely would. Now, for you, perhaps, the first place you need to start is actually by becoming a Christ follower. If you've never become a Christ follower, if you've never become a Christian before, you need to start there. Maybe that's something you've been thinking about for the last several weeks. So if you've never become a Christ follower, there's a prayer, it's in your messenger, so I'm gonna take a second. I want you to pray it right now. Okay, but look, for all of us, we need to stop we need to stop listening to the guilt that is playing in our ears. And we need to collaborate with God and do the two things that he's asked. And then from that point forward, we need to listen for him to guide us in our relationships. Because I'm telling you, look, when it comes to guilt, we need to stop listening to the guilt that is playing so loudly through the microphone for the earphones that are on our head that, we react, that causes us to react differently to other people in ways that we wouldn't normally react. And the only way we can be free of that is to do the two things that God says, only six words. Confess to God and admit to others. Look, and if you'll do that, once you get through that initial pain of an embarrassment of just having to admit, once you get through that, you'll be a better father. You'll be a better husband. You'll be a better mom. You'll be a better wife, a better friend, a better boss, a better student, a better neighbor, a better Christian. Because once you obey God, you'll be able to say, I'm free. Oh, I'm free! And you'll truly be Bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person listening right now that you would help them to be brave. That you would help them to be brave enough to trust you to do these two things. That they would confess to you and that they would admit to others. And in so doing, oh Heavenly Father, You would not just make their relationships guilt-free, but you would make every relationship in their lives better. You'd make them healthier because there's nothing standing in the way any longer. All those relationships would become deeper. So whether it's a big thing or a small thing, God, give us the bravery to admit it, to confess it so that we're clean and our relationships are healthy again. And bring us back, Father, next week so that we can learn more from you. Now I ask you to do this all in the incredible name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.